Welcome to Good Darts. It's the podcast all about darts. The quality cannot be guaranteed. It's brought to you by our friends at Low Six. I am bubble free, uh, but Wayne Mardle is fully ensconced in the bubble in Coventry. So ensconced for the World Grand Prix bubble uh, that he's not here. Uh, we couldn't get hold of him. Some technical issues. Uh, even though it's probably as close to my basement in Birmingham where I'm sat right now as any major tournament. But at very, very short notice, no pun intended, we have a replacement. It is Little Richard, the finest spotter in the game of darts, as well as doing several other millions of jobs in this sport. Uh, Richard, thank you very much for stepping into Wayne Mardle's shoes. Uh, I hope you find them comfy. And I appreciate that you just haven't got anything better to do in the middle of the night, in the middle of the week. Absolutely. Wayne's uh, flip-flops are very comfortable indeed, if not a little large. Thank you, Daniel. Well, look, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got Chris Dobie as our special guest uh, later on in the podcast. I spoke to him a few days ago ahead of the World Grand Prix. Uh, that will become very relevant, really, bearing in mind what's gone on tonight. But the World Grand Prix, one of the big tournaments. We've seen it start over the last couple of nights. The first round has just been completed uh, this evening as we're sat here talking. Um it's been strange because Stephen Bunting and Adrian Lewis have both had to withdraw because of coronavirus. Now, I know that our best wishes go to them. They're both asymptomatic, I understand. I've seen updates from Stephen. I've, I've messaged him back and forth, certainly. He, he seems like he's doing all right. But it is probably... It was bound to happen, wasn't it, Richard? At some point, that something like this was going to take place and a, a player or two is going to miss out of a big tournament. Yeah, I think it's been a concern for everybody concerned and uh, it's been great with the tournaments played so far. We haven't had this happen. And then all of a sudden, of course, two big names affected. And as you say, we wish them well. They both seem to be absolutely fine. The frustration, though, they must be going through must be awful. All the players in the same situation, of course, they will stay in their rooms. They're all waiting for that result. And, and, and their, their results have come back with completely the wrong verdict for them. And... I can't even imagine how that must feel when you go into a major tournament. It's unlike, I think, anything. It's not like an injury, is it, where you have to pull out. It's something completely unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they they didn't know it was coming. But I've, I've no. just got a feeling we're going to see we're going to see that. I mean, look, they've been testing hundreds of times. I've been in full bubbles and semi bubbles at the Premier League and Milton Keynes and the Pro Tour events that we've had. And we've had no positive tests, and that's the players and the staff all the way through over the last few weeks. We're bound to get some at some point. It's unfortunate that it's happened at such a massive tournament, and two players who really are probably going to get hit more than most because Adrian's dropping out of the top 16 for the first time in absolutely ages because of it, and Stephen Bunting looked like he was getting into a bit of form. But then... Look, I mean, that's the way the cookie crumbles, isn't it? There's going to be... The one thing with PDC Darts is there's always going to be more opportunities around the corner to make up for any losses you've had. Yeah, I was going to say the same regarding their form and their position in the rankings. Such a key time for the pair of them. You you really... You'd struggle to pick two players who it would affect more in terms of their season. Um, but we it's a, a word that's used so much now, unprecedented. And this is another unprecedented incident. And... These are times that we're living through. And again, I'm sure you've done it every time you've spoken on these issues. Massive, massive credit to the PDC for even having these tournaments up and running. Uh, and, and we're so grateful that we can enjoy these events on the television. And it goes out to the masses. Just sympathies go to those two men there. Oh, look at you with your 
corporate messages out there. I don't know. I'm not even going to do that. I'm just absolutely gutted for the pair of them. But look, um, the darts is on. You're quite right. And you talk about unprecedented. It was unprecedented seeing the number of seeds go out in the World Grand Prix. Every year the Grand Prix comes around, everybody says, oh, it's a leveller. Oh, it's a it's a, a massive chance. It's only two sets. It's double start. You're going to see big names fall. We've never seen so few seeds make it through the opening round of the Grand Prix. And that is the reason I'm going to say why my predictions were so god-awful, Richard. I'll be honest, mm -hmm. I am embarrassed. Obviously, so how many did you get right? Right, OK. So there's 16 first-round games. Mm -hmm. we, we're taking out the two because we made our predictions last week, Wayne and I. Mm -hmm. um, and two of those games didn't happen, did they? We got the replacement players, Simon Whitlock and Jeffrey Desvan, come in. So I'm just going to ignore those games because they were different right. games. We weren't asked to predict those. But of the 14 matches that we did predict, I got three right compared well, to Wayne's nine. That is horrendous. But we Absolutely can't really blame that on the seeds, can you? Because there are only eight of them. All right, Johnny Maths. Look, I've admitted that it's horrendous, but I'm going to try and dig myself out of this hole because... All right, let, pick which games have you looked at over the first two nights which have stood oh, every out match. to you? Every match. That have every, stood out. No, not every match. I mean, Mensor versus Dirk van Dijvenbode was horrendous. <laughs> it was horrific. Oh, sorry. I, I thought you asked me how many I'd watch. I mean, of course I watch every dart. You know oh, yeah, that. Yeah, but which stood out? Which, oh. were, the ones that, which were good? Well, of, let, let's do the obvious. The, the Van Gerwen-Ratajski game. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Firstly, I... seeing Van Gerwen on fire in the opening stages. Seeing Ratajski fight back. Plenty of emotion from both players. We always enjoy that. Yeah, well, certainly. But if it wasn't for one check out of 103, Van Gerwen might well lose that game, doesn't he? Despite the fact he was he was twenty points clear in the averages, yeah, I, and I loved the the whole method of it. You know, he joked about it in the interview afterwards about that single number. He hit the treble twenty, had forty three left. He did what so many of us have done, probably in the pub, when you can aim for a space between two singles and hope you hit one of them. Right. That yes. maybe was his state of mind at the time. Just hit the nineteen, could have been the three. A beautiful double twelve for the checkout. Right, that, that, yeah, same if you've got 46 left with two darts, you go for a 10 or a 6. Now, I, I immediately thought of you when I saw that. I tweeted about it as well. I thought of you because that's a very Bobby George thing, isn't it? That's Bobby George's <laughs> where if you've got a chance of giving yourself a much bigger area to throw a dart at, so you've got more room for error, you might get a slightly odd double but at least you're getting a dart at a double. And Rob Cross made that mistake. At least three other players in the first round made that mistake. And in such a short format, if that costs you a leg, that can cost you the entire match, can't it? And we've seen, uh, as Rod Harrington's told us, never mind Bobby George, don't miss the big number. And yeah, this well, yes. is such a key element in, in professional darts. It doesn't matter how good these players are, and we know how good they are, hitting a big single is difficult and can cost you. We saw that incident happen with Gabriel Clemens this evening with hitting a treble 20 with one dart in hand when he needs 52. Yeah. It can I mean, happen. That's the, that was the first of two times when 92 was busted tonight. Absolutely yes. spectacular stuff. Ratajski MVG, also notable for Ratajski, celebrating Van Gerwen missing, uh, which immediately put me in mind of Momo Zhu 
who played for China in the World Cup of Darts a few years ago and did a dance. She not only did a dance when the Swiss lad, Andy Bless, missed, but she was still sort of doing it when he turned around and she just sort of styled it out and started playing with her hair so he didn't see. It was absolutely spectacular. I have no problem with this. There are all sorts of people on social media saying, oh, it's disgusting, it's disrespectful. But if you're playing a game of darts against somebody and you want to win, you want them to miss. Now, why is it necessary for us to pretend that we don't come on richard explain this to me no, I'm, I'm with you and uh, the player i think <laughs> of the, the player i think of is andy hamilton uh, he was i used to see this a lot from him he'd, mm. he'd stand head down looking at the stage and waiting for the referee to call anything but game shot mm-hmm. and when the referee made a call that wasn't game shot for his opponent andy would give a yes to the ground <laughs> Because he had a chance. Simon Whitlock has been accused before of laughing or smiling if his opponent misses. He's not. He's just happy that he has the chance. Uh, We've seen it from a lot of players. Bobby George, the man you've mentioned. I mean, he pretty much broke into a salsa once when Ronnie Baxter missed darts to beat him (laughs) at the lakeside. You know, he was proper dancing when when these opponents missed. I love that. I love yes. that. T- talking about smiling when you get an opportunity, you mentioned Whitlock there. He has got a massive opportunity and he seized it tonight because he played absolutely superbly against Chris Doby. Now we're gonna talk um we're gonna talk about the Chris Doby circumstances because we're here for Chris Doby and I want to talk about what led up to that game after the interview. But in terms of Whitlock and Desvan, who have both won, we could have the backdoor final here. We could have two guys who weren't even supposed to be in this tournament. They're in separate halves of the draw. One of them played brilliantly. One of them's got the job done tonight. And they, they genuinely could do some damage. Their mindsets in this, are, it's just a free roll. Whitlock's probably going to hang on to his place in the top 16 as a result. Jeffrey Desvan's had an awful time since lockdown. And all of a sudden, he's won a game on the stage. This is massive for those two. Yeah, and what a contradiction to what we said before regarding Adrian and Stephen. This is such a massive opportunity for Simon and Geoffrey. And you can see, by the way, they both played this evening, as you've said, free, easy. It really was a free roll for them this evening. Um, It takes my memory back. Well, I say my memory. I was so young when it happened, of course. 1987, Dan, the Unipart British Professional. It was a week-long event shown on the BBC. Um... The Unipart British Professional. Yes, at Redcar. It used to be played at Redcar. It ran from 81 to 88. Wow. It was the only other week-long major apart from the World Championship back in the 80s. Okay. Very popular tournament. Uh, Alan Evans had to pull out in 1987 due to ill health and was replaced by former world champion Leighton Rees. Okay. Leighton got to the final. Impressive. What what happened in the final? He He lost to Keith Della. Oh, Della. Oh, well. It would have been great if he'd won that. Not only got him through the back door and win it, but he'd have beaten Keith Della as well. That's quite good statoing, but that's also (laughs) why I know that I can call you in the middle of the night and you can produce these little gems for us, Richard. Um, Always. We will talk. We will talk about the circumstances leading up to Chris Dobie's uh, game because I do think this is interesting, and he's been on social media this evening uh, talking about it. I don't think he's a particularly happy man, but what we have done is talk about all this stuff. We talk about celebrating misses and the backdoor final potential, um, but it has meant that I've been able to gloss over the fact I did so absolutely dreadfully 
in my low six picks. And I'm quite fine with that. Uh, so skirting over that embarrassing hammering that Wayne's given me on the low six picks, uh, listen to a man who isn't a perennial failure in this sport. Didn't go well for him tonight, but he is our guest on the podcast this week. It's Hollywood Chris Toby. These are the questions that you should be asking. Well, welcome to Hollywood Chris Doby. Uh, Chris, normally when I speak to people on the podcast, I ask him, oh, how did he get into darts? But it's quite well known. You're just <laughs> grown up in a massive darts family. Your dad, your uncle, pretty much. You just grow up around the sport, didn't you? Yeah, well, that's it. It was always in, in the blood. Obviously, the, my whole family's played it uh, throughout the years. So I've just t- kind of took into their genes after finishing playing football, you know, and I'm enjoying it still, so... As long as I'm enjoying it, then then there's always a will to play. Well, that's the question. What's bigger, darts or football? Because particularly coming up from around your neck of the woods, that's a, that's a dangerous question to ask, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Obviously, darts is massive in the northeast and obviously in my whole family. So it's nice that I've actually took to the sport and obviously doing well in it as well. So You still didn't answer the question, though, Chris. What's more important, Newcastle United or darts? Well, my career. <laughs> okay okay that's a good one is that exactly would all your family agree with that yeah of course obviously they'll, they'll like to see us do well and obviously my dad never shuts up he said he always says uh, uh it's no good competing you've got to win you know next um, and i keep saying to them i said look i'm not there to lose you know i'm trying my best it's it's just oh honestly he gets on my nerves at time but i suppose he he only wants us to do well so Oh, I mean, I'm, that interests me. We'll come back to that point. But when you're getting into the sport, was it's all around the pubs and clubs, I would imagine, up in the northeast. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a strange one for you, though, because you're pretty much teetotal, aren't you? I'd never seen yeah. you with a drink in your hand. No, well, that's it. Um, obviously, as you know, I, I was at the, the bingo with my mum when it all started, and I just got the phone call off a friend asking to fill in. And obviously, I went there with one or two cans of Coke, you know, and, and, and played, and... And enjoyed it, so I think they they wanted us to stay for the remainder of the season to help out, and I just took to it. I, I enjoyed it. They were a great bunch of lads, and obviously I'm still close friends with them now as well. So if it wasn't for them, then I may I maybe not not be where I am today. Did you literally just get the call because oh his dad plays and his uncle they're, they're, he's Adobe he'll be good at darts even <laughs> if he's never really got into it before. To be honest, uh, no, it, it wasn't like that. Um, there was a few lads just in in the local club itself, and I was one of them lads that got asked just because I was there. You know, obviously it was only up the road, so they didn't want to chance it to a, like ringing around to get anybody in case they couldn't. So I I was just one of them that happily filled in for them, and look where I am now. So it's it's paid off. Oh yeah, definitely. How old were you when that happened? Then when you got the call down the bingo, I was I was twenty. Twenty so that's, was the... that's quite late, isn't it? Coming to the game because. Yeah. You've you've not had any development tour or youth tour stuff or anything like that. You just had to throw yourself in with the big boys when yeah. you came to the PDC in 2015. Do you look at like some of those young lads who, who were still playing dev tour and thinking, I'm a bit jealous of them. I mean, that's that's a really handy thing to have in, in your development as a player. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I, I look at it now and say, uh, I, wish, I wish I had a, been playing in the development tour and that obviously that it opens up many of doors you know but um no i came straight in the deep end and i don't regret any of that because obviously i was into my football at the time and obviously you, you can't regret regret that if, it, if you don't get the the chance you know and 
obviously um my my time came and I've took the opportunity. I went to Q school and and got me to a card. You know, I done it the hard way, and and luckily for me, I've I've kept my card and pushed on to further and bigger things. You know, so. What was going on in your life when you're in your early twenties? You've not even sort of thought about going to the PDC. What what were you doing? Did you have a job or did you have qualifications? What was the plan, or was there just not one at the time? Yeah, obviously I, I had a job. I was working. I think I might have been working in a factory back then, uh, just a printing and packing factory. I think back then, and obviously it was just a, a normal twenty-year-old uh, lad, you know. Uh, going out on a, on a night out with my friends because I did obviously social drink with my friends mm. back then. So I was happy playing with the lads on a Friday night who got us into it. But uh, there was one or two that said, look, you're too good for this league. And this was only after a year or so of playing darts. He says, uh, try and better yourself, go to bigger things and um, go to open competition. So then I had a, th- I had a thing after after the rest of the, the full season afterwards and, I pushed myself on, I went into a different league, I went to play Super League and I played for the county and uh, my very first game of the county, uh, I won Man of the Match award, I think I just had shy of a 27 average which isn't bad as well so for for a county B player on my first game I was absolutely buzzing, obviously seeing the likes of, you've seen Jockey Wilson and stuff play for Northumberland County and it was just, it was just massive for me to, to push myself and come away with a man and match on my debut. Absolutely. So you go to Q School, you get your tour card in 2015. I'm sure there must have been doubts there as well. That, that is this, am I really able to hack it at this level? Because this is the very, very elite. And that's that's got to be that's got to be quite a daunting thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I, I went there with the chance and obviously belief that I could go there and get my tour card. Um, I had played in the windmill world masters on the tv the last 16 um just the the year before you know that gave us a a lot of confidence to to go to q school beat a few players um, there didn't you jim williams i think on the way yeah yeah beat jim williams uh i think kevin yeah martin schindler Uh, kevin Burness was one of them who i beat Mm. as well so um I, i beat some tough opponents and then lost out to alan norris who was absolutely fantastic so like I said, that that gave us a lot of confidence to to take into Q school, and I just went went for one one reason, and that was to get my tour card, you know. And and look, I got beat my first game. Obviously, Glenn Durant. I've said this to Glenn Durant. Uh, I lost to Matty Denning five four in my very first game of the, the Q school, and he I, could have I, ruined I, some careers yeah. that night, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Could. And and I lost four five four in probably the best game I've ever played in my life to like obviously at the time mm. and uh I came off that game and I'm thinking wow if it's this tough uh, <laughs> how am I going to do for the next three days you know it's it's, it's hard school and luckily I, I got to the final the next day I lost to Andy Jenkins in the final so I, I guaranteed it after the first couple of days you know on points but uh, I still dug in I played well throughout it's, it's one thing going and getting your tour card now you're competing against the best in the world you don't know anybody there so you're having to like get used to this and it's a proper life on the tour you're away a lot particularly if you start qualifying for those euro events yeah and within a couple of years your first kid turns up as well cole i mean you you're throwing a lot on your plate there chris aren't yeah you? it's a lot to deal with yeah definitely i think obviously at the time it was a shock um i was actually playing some decent stuff as well so 
it, it was kind of hard, but obviously, when you when you've got a little one coming, you know, um, puts a lot of, on your mind, you know, and I, I still had to go there because I couldn't afford to miss these competitions, you know. I'm not I'm not one of the the top players who can just pick and choose what to do, so I think uh, I I was in Hamburg for a European tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I flew back to Manchester, got the the train from Manchester back home, um, and it was it was due to be born that day. Luckily, she held off and until early the next morning, yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 he came early the next morning. So I had the rest of that day with him, and then I had to to do away for for the players' chance there the next day. You know, so it was it was it was crazy, but. Um, Obviously, it, it it is a great feeling, so I, I wouldn't change it for the will. Well, look, I'll, I'll go back to the the words your dad was saying earlier on, where you're not there to compete. You've got to, You've got to win stuff. Well, yeah. for a big chunk of those first few years on the tour, you're making finals. You're just missing out on major tournaments, and that happened more than a couple of times. In you know, yeah. being right there, and is that just bad luck, Chris? Is that all that is? You'd been putting in some world class displays. And you're just narrowly missing out, or was there something missing from your game? Um, to be honest, I think it was just experience. I lacked experience then, and I've I've been in what four finals now, and I think my, I, sh- I should say now I'm dual win. You know, hmm. I'm playing well. I have obviously each year I take it, and I, I like I go on a big. I do more and more each year. You know, so I'm I'm taking step by step, but. I think now's my time to to start winning. So, like I say, it was all experience. My I think my first final against uh, Simon Whitlock. I just came came off a a big win against Eddie Lewis in the semis after he missed the match start. You know, mm. and um, I I think I missed a couple of chances in the game against Simon. To be fair, and obviously I, I was gutted, but I was happy, you know, on the way to to get my first final. So. But uh, I couldn't do much in me my next final against yeah, Bangor. Yeah, ten average against MVG <laughs> and still. Oh, yeah. Did you get two legs in that? Yeah, I lost six two. Yeah. you know, it's it's just one of those. It, like I say, I would put all that down to experience, you know. And I think I'm I'm a better player now. I can cope with with everybody's game. I, I think I've worked out the majority of the players' game now and how to play against them. So I'm I'm looking forward to my next final and I'll put that right. That's interesting you say that. When you say you've worked out the majority of players' games and how to play against them, what do you mean by that? Because one of the things that we're always told in darts, oh, it doesn't matter your opponent, you just play the board, play your own yeah. game. But is it different? Is there more of a, a one-on-one contest where some players you think, I'm going to have to play this slightly differently against Yeah, them? definitely. Um, well, look at uh, my games against Ricky Evans. Uh, I could never beat Ricky Evans in the first few times I played him and I think I was getting caught in his speed, you know. Mm. I, I was trying to play to his speed, which doesn't suit my game at all. So I just like played to my normal speed, or maybe a little bit slower, just so I didn't, I didn't uh, speed up to his, uh, to his speed. And and it's worked the last two or three times I've played. I've played a lot better, and I think I've won won two out of the last three. So he beat us in the home tour the, uh, a few weeks back, but like I said I'm. I've worked out the majority of the players where I went wrong. I like to watch my game back now and again and see where I went wrong as well. So you can see in my face if I give away some little little mistakes what I do, but like I say I've worked it all out now and I'm looking forward to it.
Well, a couple of major semi-finals last year, back-to-back -back last 16 runs in the World Championship. You're in the top 20 in the world. Things are all moving in the right direction for you. What's life like on the tour? You're pretty good at going out and trying to make the most of these trips to all these cool places we visit. Yeah, you've got to. Obviously, the, the current circumstances, uh, you can't do so much, you know. But um, like I say, when, when we went to Austria uh, last year or the year before, I went with Chizzy, went out to play bowling with uh, Raubi and stuff. You just, you've just got to do oh, a little He's good, different... isn't he? Isn't Raubi yeah, like the most incredible temping bowler you've ever seen? <laughs> he's fantastic. I, I've seen nothing like it. Today. I didn't believe him at first until he, uh, he got his own bowling balls and that out. And... <laughs> I was thinking, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, nah, it's, it's just nice to see different cities and do different things. What's it like travelling around with the likes of Michael Smith, Ryan Jones? Who Who's your usual roommate partners that you have if you end up rooming with people? Um, there's only... I, I room with Adam Hunt on the tour, and if he gets mm. through to the Europeans, then I room with him there. But um, I roomed with Mike Smith the majority of the time at the Europeans. But I've also roomed with uh, Nathan, Nathan Aspinall, and I roomed with Devon in Prague last year, so... It's it's nice to to have like different people that you that you can fall back and and obviously have a bit crack with and a room with you know it's it's nice to to change things about but um, no nah, I've never had you can a tell us about them that we can actually broadcast or are they all ones that we will get in real <laughs> well, trouble for doing I, I, I think you know Michael's lazy so you don't get much out of Michael but uh, <laughs> nah it's it's just a, a decent bit banter yeah Devin mm. loves his crisps and sweets you know like me I, I have heard so, that yeah. What's the end game for you, Chris? What counts as success? I mean, look, Michael Van Gogh says, I want to play until I'm 40, make an absolute massive pile of money, and then I don't need darts anymore. I can go. But do you have a plan? Do you have an end game with this? Or is it just, let's let's see how far I can go? Well, that's it. Just, you've, you've just got to take it. You can't look that far into it, you know. I've, like I said before, I touched on it before, um, I'm getting better each year, so I'm just finding my feet and once I find that feet break into the top 16 push for the top 8 you know and like I said I'm earning a living but I, I want to start winning things as well to prove I'm not just there to earn a living you know I, I want to be you want to be the best so hopefully next 5 5 years or so I can be pushing for the, maybe the top 4 you know and, and give it a real crack instead of just being one of the numbers you know it's, so What's it going to be like to win that first title then? And it might well come in one of the big ones. I mean, you know, you've had major deep runs in the major tournaments and you seem to quite like it on the stage. Yeah, honestly, it'll, it'll mean a lot to us. It'll, it'll mean so much, obviously, to me. It'll get me dad off me back for a bit, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, be, it'll be good, obviously, to win a major before I win a, a, a pro tour or whatever. That That would be... Absolutely crazy, but uh, like I said, I've had big runs in the last few as well, so I'm I'm just looking forward to be playing on the TV again and get back to normal. Celebrate with a big bottle of Fanta and give your dad a belt. <laughs> Say you've won. Yeah. You're sharp now. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, quite the contrast, really. I, I, I like that interview. I really like Chris Dobie's. A lot of things. He's a fantastic player. A word on that, actually, Richard. You've seen plenty of players in your time. Everybody I speak to, and I'm sure if Wayne was here, he'd say the same. He, they expect Chris Dobie to, to go on 
and be a big noise in darts. One of the questions I wanted to ask Wayne, actually, was he referred to Johnny Clayton. He said, oh, I don't think he's a top eight, top four player. So he's doing well. He's doing well with what he's got. Do you see Chris Doby as a potential top four player in the world? That's always a difficult question, I think, in 2020 and beyond, because you could answer yes. You see someone as a top eight player, top four player, but there are more than eight players on that list. Mm. Uh, so we can talk about potential. I think the one thing I've noticed with Chris Doby, as I'm sure you have, is we've all been talking about his potential and the expectation. What I think's happened to Chris over the last year or so is his expectation is now higher. Mm. He's yeah. had the, the semi-finals of this event, hasn't he, before. Mm. He now expects to go on. The performance he put in, in the World Championship against Gary Anderson. I think we've got to a point now where Chris Doby expects, never mind what we think. And the disappointment and the frustration is starting to come out a bit in him when it's not happening. Yeah, you know what? I always, what, what do you make of that idea? Chris Doby, you only had to listen to that interview there. He's relaxed. He's calm. He's a very genial guy. He is, he's got very popular on the tour. Nobody really says a bad word about Chris Doby, really. And do you, need, do you need a bit of a nastier side sometimes? If you want to win in a competitive dog-eat-dog individual sport, do you need a bit of, I don't know, a bit of something? I mean, look, loads of people like Gary Anderson, but but I tell you what, he can he's he's got a bit of a snarly side, and you can tell he's only out for Gary Anderson when he's playing darts a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chris, yeah, he is the proverbial Mr. Nice Guy. Maybe even his reaction to how things have gone over the last couple of days... Maybe we're seeing a bit of edge there with Chris's sort of reaction and comments towards the way that the tournament's gone for him. So maybe mm. this is that part that you're talking about that maybe for the next tournaments we see him at, we are going to see a bit more edge, a bit more aggression. Well, look, I'm not sure it is essential. I'm not sure that no. it's essential to success. Uh, certainly yeah. for a player like Chris, because it doesn't. I think I think what's essential for all dart players is that they're themselves. I think that that's important. That that, that they're real. And, and yeah. I think Chris Dobie is as real as they come. He's a lovely lad. Yeah, well, look, let me just talk you through what, what Chris Dobie has said here. Um, he was saying that he's got nothing against uh, Simon Whitlock or Jeffrey Desvaughn, uh, but he feels for AD and Stephen Bunting, who'd earned their right to be there. Um, he, I think he might have deleted the other tweet that he had, but he evidently wasn't happy with how everything had gone. From what I'm piecing together is that Simon Whitlock was still in his room an hour before the game started. So he was still waiting on his test results. Chris Dobie must have been practising, not knowing whether he's going to get a bye through this round or whether he's going to have to face a player of the calibre of Simon Whitlock, who, granted, hadn't done enough to qualify for this tournament in the original instance if everybody was available, but he's still a former European champion and he's still a man who's, who's ranked in the top 20 in the world and now back into the, the top 16. This is... It's not ideal preparation for him, but this is just something he's got to put down to experience and something you can't train for, isn't it? It's just a weird circumstance that he's going to have to learn from. That's the only only advice I've got for him, because ultimately you'd still rather play somebody who hadn't done enough to qualify for the tournament than somebody who had. Well, you mentioned the word experience from Chris Dobie's point of view, but maybe that has been on his mind regarding Simon Whitlock. Because this wasn't a guy getting a chance to make a debut in a tournament. This is someone that has gone the distance in this event as far as reaching the final. And who we know how capable he is and, and sort of how his mindset would be coming into it. Maybe for Chris, he was he was the one that was due, I think, to play 
early yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, it would have been the very so, first game. Very first right, game so, up against Adrian Lewis. So the nervous energy he's gone through in the last 24, 36 hours with the whole thing that's gone on, I'm cutting him some slack here. I think it must have been extremely difficult because I can't even imagine how my mindset would be in that in that position that Chris has been in. Well, he's he's not sure whether he, he was on about AD and Bunting getting their ranking money. I mean, you, I can refer you to the the PDC rules. I think it's three point seven, uh, which says that this is how it works. He took the two highest ranked players who weren't qualified on the order of merit, and they go in there and they take those places. Um, and and do it. I mean Stephen Bunting. Uh, just before we start this podcast, you I think you pointed out that he'd benefited in this way before because he'd he'd come into the Masters one year at the expense of Gary Anderson of all people and won his first game, so he made a few grand out of it. So that the rules are there for a reason. They're just following the template. I know it's it's kind of messed up his preparation, but is it just a mindset thing? Where as we said earlier, Simon Whitlock's on a free roll and Chris Dobie's thinking. Well, I, I might just stroll through without having to play a game, and all of a sudden he's got a, a former world championship finalist in both codes staring at him, throwing a hundred average. Yeah, I think maybe if that if he has thought that that at any point he was going to get a buy, then maybe that's the, the mistake because there's no criticism of the actual rule here, as you've pointed out. The rule is there that that hasn't changed that there will be a replacement player. And that's important for all the reasons we've said about earlier on and all the praise I gave about all this television darts that we're enjoying. <laughs> you know, we want to see matches. So the PDC have done the right thing in terms of the rules in saying there will be a substitute player that comes in. Yeah, maybe Chris has gone through this evening wondering if he'll even play Simon. And maybe that has affected his preparation. And he did use those words on Twitter saying about how poor his preparation had been for the match. Yeah, well, it's not ideal for him. But look, this is only a, a little blip and a disappointment. One, I think, that you will learn from. And everybody that I speak to uh, expects Chris Dobie to go on and do big, big things, including, as you heard there, himself, not just yeah. his dad. We'll talk a second round of the World Grand Prix, uh, which does feature Simon Whitlock in a moment. He's a cracking player. He's brilliant. Trust me. Like me, 30 years ago. He's a cracking player. He's a good player, and he's the one for the future, I think. I like the confidence, I like the cocking, it's fantastic. For me, he's a breath of fresh air. I like him. He's a cracking player. He's a genius at what he does. He is a fantastic player, there's no two ways about it. I like his antics, brilliant player. I like his attitude, trust me. I like him. Now, you're going to be shot now. You disrespectful little shit. That's my exact thoughts. Rubbish, it was rubbish, it was not good at all. But his attitude is wrong, trust me. I think he needs to grow up. He needs to learn. I've had enough. I've had enough now. Is he future now? No, I don't think so. Let him sit down and cry a little bit. A first appearance on the Good Darts podcast for the legendary Phil the Power Taylor there, the greatest player the sport has ever seen. Do you miss Phil's interviews, Richard? Do you miss the, <laughs> the bits where he like gets players' names wrong and he mispronounces <laughs> them and all that sort of stuff? Because I spoke to him um, I spoke to him actually about Barney coming out of retirement the other week, and I got, I got a fantastic example. Here we go. Listen to this; it's wonderful. Do you believe that Barney can go and get back into that? You know, do what say Glenn Durrant's done and go and make top sixteen? And well, I know, I know. I mean, I've been talking to you know, and he, he's he's practicing now. He's going to practice every day with James Watner. What to mean? Sorry. I think it might be Jeffrey Deswan he's working with. Jeffrey Deswan. Yeah. So that's going to do him good because he's a good player. James Wattenar, the snooker player, 
Oh, no, James <laughs> Watamina. That's not his name, it's Jermaine Watamina. And anyway, it was Jeffrey Desvon. He's got about four things wrong in six seconds there. Absolutely spectacular stuff from the power. He's not lost it. The talent hasn't gone away. Um, but he's not involved in the last 16 of the World Grand Prix. Up to the best of five sets, so you would think that it's less of a complete minefield to make any predictions. I cannot do any worse than I did in the first round. Uh, there is a free-to-enter tournament on Low6 app, a 25-quid prize pool, so it costs you nothing. All you have to do is just go on the app, uh, free-to-enter, and you could win actual cash money. Um, we'll make our picks uh, for the next couple of nights. So that's round two, the last 16. And then uh, I'll be back, hopefully, with Wayne, if I can get hold of him. Otherwise, I'll be late-night phone-calling Little Richard again on Friday night, Saturday morning, to look ahead <laughs> to the quarterfinals. Um, but who's going to be in the quarterfinals, Richard? Uh, let's go through the games, draw bracket order, because uh, I don't actually know at the moment what the order of play will be. But Michael Van Gerwen versus Devin Peterson looks like an absolute... Belter, how do you see it? Well, to quote the great Phil Taylor, they're all good players. Cracking little players. Absolutely. So, <laughs> with that in mind, I, I really did um, like the look of Michael in his first round match. I, I the, the fire was back in the eyes for sure. I liked how he just basically referred to the previous few weeks as history gone in the bin I'm really looking forward to seeing how he comes out. Of course, we all thoroughly enjoyed, I don't, you know, I think a neutral's favourite in Devon Peterson picking up that European Tour title. I'm glad I was actually there for that, to be honest, mm. because that was a special, special moment for him. I'm still going, though, with the world number one. I think, of course, by his very high standards, he's more than due a run in a big tournament. I think this will be the one. I remain unconvinced, I have to say. I know I know that the first set was devastating against Wojtyski. I know that he won the game. I know that he took out uh, that incredible ton-plus finish at just the right time, and that's what wins your games. But he, he looked beatable. Wojtyski had him there for a moment. He had it, despite all of that. He had him. He still looks fragile to me. Um, and I do think that Devon is the exact opposite in terms of his mindset. There is only one way he's going. He's going up. I genuinely think that Devin Peterson is going to beat Michael Van Gerwen. And what I am doing here is the standard bearer for this sport, Michael Van Gerwen, who has been flying the flag for PDC Darts around the world for a number of years now as the undisputed best player on the planet. Well, what I am doing, I am jinxing him back into title-winning form because I said Ratajski would beat him and he lost. I said Devon is going to beat him. And, of course, that means MVG is going to blast his way through to the quarterfinals. We do have a clash of veterans, a rejuvenated Mervyn King and Simon Whitlock on this crest of a wave having been bust in last minute. Do you think the Wizard can do it again? Or is Merv going to be too strong? I think Simon can do it again, yeah. If he if he plays with the same mindset that he did this evening, he can certainly do it again. Though Merv looks so a good word for Merv, yeah, a word for Mervin because I again like back to that European tour, I was really impressed with him. Looked as good as he's looked for a long time. And not just looking good in, in the, the darts he's throwing, but his demeanour. He looks hungry, he looks focused. I like how Mervin's playing, always enjoying when he's in that kind of mood. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I, I think Mervyn King is playing as well as I've seen him 
in and I don't know I'm only basing this on like three days of darts the Euro Tour well four days of darts the Euro Tour in his first round performance but he shifted a load of weight He's really positive, and I just, I just really like the look of him. I think Merv can do it, and and seeing off James Wade is no easy feat in round one. He did that quite convincingly. I think the Mervyn King can book his place in the quarterfinals. I'm going to back Merv in this one. Um, I, I don't understand Dimitri Vandenberg. I do not understand him. Uh, he takes on Dirk Van Dyvenbode in the next game. Now. Dimitri might well go and win seven major titles over the next decade, and he might not get past about round three of a pro tour during the same <laughs> amount of time. And it doesn't make any sense, Richard. I know there are big stage players. I know that. You know, somebody like Mark Webster only ever won one PDC ranking title, and it was in mm-hmm. semi-finals of major tournaments every every time they're on. Yeah. But I don't get him, Richard. What am what am I not understanding here? Well, I think it's almost like a tennis player playing better on a different surface, isn't it? And it shouldn't work like that way for darts. But it, it, he, we've said this long before he won the world match play. As soon as he's on the big stage, he performs. Yeah, yeah. We, 100 we plus that. averages in winning world youth titles. Just the way he, the dancing uh, Dimitri that we see coming. I know we're not at the moment because of his injury, but mm. th- that, that persona isn't the same guy that plays on the floor. There is a difference. Yeah. Um, why there should be such a difference, I haven't got the answer for you. Yeah, but is, I know he does the dancing and everything, but once he's actually throwing, he's still... I mean, he, that persona's pretty much the same. He's very, very reserved. He tries to keep everything in. I mean, sometimes he looks like he's about to burst into tears, even when he's smashing somebody up with a 105 average. Yeah, I just don't right. understand the man. Because it's not as if he can't win on the floor. He's got one of the greatest youth records ever by winning all these development tour titles in exactly the same buildings, exactly the same boards, exactly the same conditions. And against, you know, similar levels of play and some of the same players, for crying out loud. Maybe it's about the one match preparation. It's in the evening. Maybe there's mm. those elements as well. The Pro Tour's played earlier in the day. Maybe it just suits him. A bit of a longer format in most of the stage matches. It's longer than the, the games on the floor. Well, like some so sort all of, of these elements. He's only so maybe he's... at night. Is that no, what you're I, I, no, 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 no. I'm just saying there are your there are differences mm. to starting a pro tour event at midday than there are playing your one match and you're only playing one game and you're playing it at nine pm. Okay, so do you reckon there... he beats Dirk Van Dyvenbode? Yes. Yeah, I mean, going on the first round performances, there is absolutely no chance that Dirk Van Dyvenbode plays like that and beats Dimitri Vandenberg. Uh, Dimitri Vandenberg playing like he did in the first round. And for that reason, I'm going for Dirk van Dijvenbode to beat Dimitri Vandenberg. And it's not because I think that one played better than the other. I think it's because I don't understand Dimitri Vandenberg and I fear what I don't understand. And I think the obergenius Dirk van Dijvenbode might just do it and surprise him. Uh, that leads us to Gary Anderson, Danny Nopper. Now, I remember uh, many years ago uh, that you picked out Danny Noppert as one to watch one who's got it i believe with the exact words Mm -hmm. you used and i think he can beat gary anderson i know that gary was pretty impressive in round one but i'd convinced myself that after weeks and weeks out he'd come back looking rusty again and rob cross would beat him i thought that rob cross had he not made a couple of silly mistakes was right in with a chance of doing that but i think danny Noppet's going to be too ruthless 
Well, this is one of the games that I'm happy to let you pick first and go with the other because I'm on the fence a bit. Yep, that's fair enough. I yeah, mean, we're we... allowed to pick the same. It's only me because I'm a contrarian and I like conflict. No, I, I want. To, I, I would have just picked wh- whichever you you didn't say, Danny. Everything you've said, I've said. I'm going to say again. I I think Danny Nopper. When you talked earlier about Chris Doby, I see Danny Nopper as a top eight player of the future. Mm. I just think his temperament and his technique are going to lead him up and up and up. I just Do you... don't see a decline. Yeah, I don't see. You him talk about declining. his technique. You talk about his yeah. technique sometimes not all the time but sometimes his darts go in at the most horrendous angles and the weirdest ways mm. and they're inconsistent as well he knows how to use them and how to group them and everything but I mean for a guy who plays at such a high level I mean is that a concern for you? Is that? I, I mean is it just weird? No I, I, I don't think it's a concern currently mm. I, I, I think it may have been when he wasn't playing as well and they're and I also get concerned that, and I don't know this, I've never asked him, if he's practising on a different board at home than he's competing on. What, like a I don't know if that's an issue. And that can actually affect the way players' darts lie because one brand of dartboard plays differently to another brand of dartboard. Mm, okay. I don't know if that was a factor, but I, I have not seen a sign of what you've said about the way his darts go in, in recent... You know, we haven't obviously it's, seen a lot of darts recently, yeah. but... I, I didn't see any signs of, of that. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's as, yeah. as much of a problem. Okay. Well, look, that's that's one half of the draw. Let's but I haven't mentioned the... Gary. I just want to mention. Oh Gary yeah, go on, because... go on. No, it's like a disclaimer for me. Yeah. Because every time I think of Gary Anderson, I just think of the you know the, this this gifted man that could actually walk on stage and smash record averages. He could hit a hundred percent doubles in and out. This is a guy that can literally do anything on a dartboard. So we always need that disclaimer whenever I back against Gary that he could well come out, win nine nil and smash Danny off the dartboard. No, oh, absolutely oh, look, I I know that all too well. I just yes. I just don't I well, the thing is with Gary, and I found it certainly through the match play, I, with the way he's been throwing, I don't really trust him to be good enough <laughs> for long enough I know he's going to be brilliant at some point but it might not last long enough and he was there were just little signs against Rob where I wasn't entirely convinced but look well, you've got uh, me Danny I, I'm going with Gary That's okay it. fair enough um, let's look at the other half of the draw you talk about Gary Anderson oh he might hit 100% doubles Ryan Joyce last night 15 out of 21 on the doubles combining the starting and finishing mm-hmm. and annihilating Peter Wright, including brushing him in one leg. Absolutely incredible. I know Ryan Joyce says doubling is the strong part of his game, but, I mean, that was that was something else. We've got him, who's just produced an incredible doubling uh, performance against Dave Chisnell, who's scoring, and particularly at the start of legs, was mind-blowing against Glenn Durrant. I genuinely don't know how to call this. You could say that for any match, but go on. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Chizzy, two-time finalist, or Ryan Joyce, who's just battered the world champion and and looks completely at ease. I think well, for Ryan Joyce, I want to say this, that every time he wins, we're calling it a shock, and there is going to come a point, whether we're there yet, that it's no longer going to be a shock. Well, because he's... The because world, he's he? Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. But yeah. we still regard... Any, I mean, of course, he's... He, you know, he's beaten the world champion. That's a shock result. Of course it is. Yeah. But the performance is no shock. Uh, with Dave Chisnell, you've never had a player with such varying A and B games, have you? I mean, I, I don't mm. think there's a player on the tour 
that can be so good compared to so bad. Yeah. I, I don't think there is a player that, that, that has that difference in, in, in performance. If Dave turns up, for me, he wins. And the way he's played the last couple of weeks, I, I fancy him turning up. So yeah. I am going to go Chisnell. You know what? I'm I'm gonna have to agree with you, uh, but damn, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Joyce really does. No, it wouldn't be a I, shock. I want, him to, I want him to stay in this tournament long enough to leave himself 150 and try and take it out three bullseyes. That's I was going to mention that, Dan. Yeah. I was going to mention that he went for that one two five. Yeah, I, I, know, when the... I thought it was going in. I thought exactly. he, he loves these. If anything, he'll hit two bullseyes, first two darts, and then he, he hits exactly. three or something, second dart. Now, this isn't a high-profile match by any means, but I saw him at the BDO Gold Cup um, about three years ago needing 150 for the title and go bull, bull, and hit the 25. Oh, my word. Did, uh, you know, as an MC, he, I'm ready, the, I'm ready to walk won, on to give the trophy. You know, and... Uh, yeah. It, yeah, and it's like my if that I mean if that had happened, my goodness, I've never seen anything oh, like it. That was yeah. I mean, Hendo once told me that he, he played him and he'd gone three balls, and and Hendo was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, 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 he was properly put out by it, and then he, he had to, you know, Ryan just had to explain to him that you know that, that's just the way it goes. It's, it's three ball size, isn't it? That's one hundred and fifty. You fifty each. There's three balls. I mean, it's a very simple way of looking at the game. Yes. Um, Cullen versus Clayton. Now, yes. whenever Johnny Clayton wins a first round game, I think and plays well, and he did play pretty well to beat Ian White. I thought it wasn't brilliant, but it was all right. Whenever he wins a first round game, if it's a tournament where you play lots of games in a day, I think well, Johnny Clayton's going to be in the mix here. He's going to be in the quarterfinal, semi-final, finally might even win it because he turns up and if it clicks, he's brilliant. I'm never quite as certain when it's one game per day. And I I, I sort of fancy Cullen because he really did impress me against Gurney. I fancied Gurney and, and Joe Cullen saw him off. Yeah, I mean, if we can't talk about Joe Cullen without that word potential, can we? I mean, we're waiting for this man to absolutely explode and maybe even, you know, not just win a major, but be a contender. It's a bit like the Michael Smith in terms of ability, mm. Michael Smith's results have been stronger, but we're waiting for this from Cullen, aren't we? We're expecting these performances to be more and more regular. Maybe this is the week it happens for Joe. I, well, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, it's there. It just needs to come out. Before... Johnny Clayton competitively, I back Johnny. I think he's been in the tighter matches. He's come through. He All that battle he's had just recently to even get to this tournament, I think has relaxed him. Mm. Now he's back in the major, you know, and I just think Johnny maybe is in a, a better place, a bit more confident than Joe. I don't know. It's a tough one. I'm looking forward to it. It's the match I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I really am looking forward to this. But what I keep thinking about this, it was back when Devon made the quarterfinals of the UK Open. And it was a few years ago now. Joe Cullen hadn't won any of the three ranking titles that he's got. He hadn't made the quarterfinals of Blackpool or the semi-finals of the Euros or anything like that. And he got his act together and he started playing much better, much more consistently. We always knew he had talent, but he became one of the most consistent players on the European Tour and actually probably the most deserving winner on the European Tour, or new winner on the Euro Tour, until he finally got one at the back end of last year. And he said at the time, 
I got jealous. It was my mate Devon up there, and he was getting all these plaudits and all this attention. He's playing on the telly in the quarterfinals, in the final session of a or the final day of a major tournament. And he was jealous, and he started putting the work in, and he started yeah. getting better results and winning. And he's also admitted during the uh, during the home tour. He got lazy because he then did all these things. He won these titles and went deep into major tournaments. He thought, I've made it here. I'm, I'm, I'm sorted. And he's got a bit lazy. And now Devon has suddenly turned into one of the world's best players. I think that might be the kick up the backside Joe Cullen needs to put the work in again and really have a, a stint and, and challenge. And I, I, I kind of think that he can, him and Devon can just push each other along and they really could be competing at the very back end of major tournaments against mm-hmm. each other. Over Fair the next shout. few years, um, I don't know. It'd be an interesting story if it develops, um, yeah. but it could well happen. Um, that will be a great game. This will be a lively one. Gerwin Price, Kim Hybrex. I am looking forward to lots and lots of shouting. I want testosterone overflowing on the stage between. I these mean, two. do you remember the days when uh, Kim Hybrex was being criticised by players for being too lively or too animated. Phil Taylor had a proper go and didn't he try to shut him up? And Kim was like, no, I'm going to do it even more. It was brilliant. And he's he's made to look like a pussycat compared exactly. to Gerwin Price. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that Kim is, Kim is a man who's put in a lot of work. You can see he's actually he's using new darts that mm-hmm. were... I think these are brand new ones, but it were Danny Noppert ones he was using when he, he made the change during lockdown and tried to change things a bit. Gerwin Price, I thought he was very, very lucky to come through against Jermaine Watamena last night, if I'm honest. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to put in another performance that poor again. I think he's perhaps dodged a bullet and he's going to be difficult to beat. Yeah, and as that format goes up, of course, players like Price are going to be harder and harder to beat. I just think, yes, I agree that Kim's form is picking up, but that's the safe... Uh, I'm going to have to go with a safe one there with Price. Yeah. Under this I'm... format, anything can happen, but I'm going to I'm going to go with Price. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to have to do the same. I don't think he's going to play as poorly again. And that leads us to this one, which uh, I've got no idea. Uh, Gabriel Clemens, Jeffrey Desvan. Uh, now, I'm going to go Jeffrey Desvan simply because I like this idea of the somebody making it through the back door and reaching the final. Um, but... I love Gabriel Clemens as a player. I don't think he's actually been that good lately, but he's still probably been better than Jeffrey Desvan, who's had a nightmare time since lockdown and having shoulder mm-hmm. surgery. He looked a little bit better at the World Youth Championship, didn't make the final. I thought he looked quite good last night, to be honest. Probably the best I've seen for him, uh, from him for a while. But I still don't really trust him to be back to his best because I've not seen enough from him yet. Where would you put your pick for that one? Uh, Clemens, I'll go for. Clemens. How yes. good's he? Were you at the World Masters when he made that sort of breakthrough performance? How rude. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you remember, because I remember saying that to Christoph Rutoski, saying, oh, that was the, the, you know, when you won the World Masters, Gabriel Clemens, he was uh, mm-hmm. he was the guy who, who made it through to the semis. That was part of both a big tournament for the pair of you, because uh, they were meeting each other at the World Match Play, and Christoph had absolutely no idea. He just... <laughs> Oh, was he there? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, won I mean, it, they so didn't play. Matter. Clemens was in one. I mean, Clemens there's only took... four people left in the tournament by the semi-finals. You would have been, thought you'd expect to know who was in the other half of the draw. No, the Rataisky was in the top half, um, so he won his semi-final and he he wandered off. He didn't care who was in the other one. But oh, yeah. uh, Clemens got uh, took Magini to the final leg, I think, of that 
uh, as did. I remember. He did. I'm not sure if he got match darts, but it was certainly very, very close. Yeah, it was. And McGinley just pipped him, and then Ratajski obviously went on to win the title. But yes, I, I rate him a lot. And um, the way he performed, even on the World Series, you know, in front of his home crowd last year, mm. that told me a lot about him. I always think you can judge a player on that, and he, he played really well in Germany in front of his own fans and seemed to hold it together. Um, yeah, I, I'll, go with, I'll go with Clemens. Okay, well, I'll go to Zvan there. I mean, I do think they've both got incredible potential and it's great to see, you know, players, you know, it's great to see some Germans stepping up and playing well. Obviously, Max Hopmart and Martin Schindler have been flying the flag for a while, but Gabriel mm-hmm. Clemens, I think, right now is the best German player. Uh, some people argue he has been for a, for a long while. Um, so there we go. MVG Devon. You're going MVG. I'm going Devon. Uh, King versus Whitlock. I'm going Merv. You're going Simon. Uh, Dimitri versus Dirk. For some reason, I'm going for the Obergenius, but you're going for the Belgian Dimitri. Uh, Gary Anderson. You've gone for Gary, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, and I'm going Noppy. Uh, Only because you have, yes. Yeah. Ryan, Joyce, Dave, Chisnall. We're both going Chizzy. Oh, I'm going to go Joyce then. Come on. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Come no, on, let's do it. Right. And but I can't remember who we went for with Joe and Johnny in the end, so I'm glad well, you're recapping. I, yeah, I think... I th- you know what, I'm reassessing. No, I'm, I am going to go Cullen. I am going to okay. go Cullen. I've, conv- I'll I've go... talked myself into this narrative. I, I'm more of a Chuck Berry fan, so I'm going to go for Johnny. Right. Uh, we're both going Gerwin Price. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then go on, I'm you change, you change. I changed before, you change. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm going to go high. I think he can do it. I think he can do it, even if even if Gowin does play well. This is Kim Hybrex. This Smith man can play proper darts. Okay. Uh, th- and th- what this means now, because you've gone Clemens and I've gone Dizwan, between the pair of us, we know we've picked every single winner correct. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. that will do. Um, it, now, of course, you can follow our picks. You might be better off following Richards, because I've proven so far in the World Grand Prix that I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. But you can make your selections. Thanks, Richard. Uh, you can make your selections on the Low Six app. Uh, there's a free-to-enter tournament, uh, so completely free, and you win cash money. Uh, Richard, will you be watching all the way through from now until... Hang on, when is it? Monday we've got the final, isn't it? And then straight off to the Euro Tour? Yep, yeah, 100% guaranteed. Be watching every dart, and then, yep, yeah, out to Siddlefingen for the Siddlefingen. best tour in sport. Yes, quite right. Little Richard knows his stuff. Uh, do get involved on the Low Six apps. However, if you are playing on the Low Six apps, you've got to be 18 years old, resident in the UK. Terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. If you don't, uh, then when you next go to your wardrobe, every single item of your clothing will have transformed into Andy Bolton dart shirts. And not the fancy new ones either, the ones which look like they've been knocked up in an old laptop with a load of clip art. Basically, like if you just had Clippy the Microsoft Office paperclip emblazoned all over your garments. So don't do that. But do remember that if you or a friend have problems with gambling, please seek help straight away and visit BeGambleAware.com.